presented. Um, I feel like I should be doing some kind of like, I don't know. Coming out of like, I mean, how cool is that for an entrance to come into? Amazing. Pukakoi Elam, how are you? Good. You're looking good this morning. I think you could be coming close to one of the best looking campuses we've got. What do you reckon? Come on, pretty excited about that. I'm so excited to be here today and uh, it's just, you know, a real privilege to be able to come and share with you. And uh, I, I want to do one thing, though, before we kick up our services. The reason why I'm here, as you will probably um, know and you, you would probably have guessed by now, is that um, Daryl and Denise are not here. And the reason why they're not here is because Daryl lost his dad over the last week. And uh, John Booth, who's a love member of your church, um, and Nairi, and so um, John's gone to be with the Lord. And actually this morning, my just my daily Bible reading was a scripture in Thessalonians that spoke about how the hope of Christians is that when we grieve, uh, we don't grieve like people who, have, who don't have Jesus because we have hope. And so I'm just really believing that that is something that Daryl and Denise and Nairi and all the girls can cling to and their family can uh, go through. But I thought as a church, as their church family, why don't we stand together this morning and just lift them up in prayer and pray for them. Before I get into the message today, we'll just pray God's peace over them or pray, pray God's strength over them at this time. And I know as a church family, we can sometimes feel a bit hopeless, can't we, to help our pastors and, and the people that are grieving around us. But I think one thing we can do is hold them up in prayer. Amen. So come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Booth family. We just love them so much, Lord. And we just pray right now as they're in the midst of going through a trial, God, I just thank you that you are close to them. You are near to them. You never leave them or forsake them. And God, I thank you that they have a faith in you that affords them a kind of hope that they can hold on to. Lord, we pray for your peace in this time. God, we pray for your strength in this time. In times when they feel overwhelmed with the grief, God, I thank you, Lord, that you will be close to them. God, that you will give them all the strength that they need. God, I thank you, Lord, for the people and the friends and the family they have around them. God, we just lift them up to you now. Father, would you give us as a church the wisdom? Would you, would you show us what to say and tell us what they need and so we can get around them and love on them, Father God? May they just feel your love and your hope overflowing in this season. We lift them up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church. You can grab your seat. Right. As I said before, it's a great honor for me to be here this morning. And I'm really excited because I get to kick off a brand new series for you guys here today. We're starting a new series and it's called Anatomy. And we're looking at all the different, we, we could be looking at any part of our anatomy and then looking at what the Bible says about that part of the anatomy. Today, though, I'm going to be speaking about more of a function of our anatomy, and it's a function that actually is a life-sustaining function. It's something we need to sustain life, but it's something that I think sometimes we forget to do and need to learn to do. Today, I want to speak to you about breath, all right? And I'm going to look at what the Bible says about breath. Now, you'd think, wouldn't you, that breathing is pretty straightforward, right? Like, we pretty much all got that covered from the moment we were born, right? You'd think so. Well, at the, in November, I ran the Kerry Kerry Half Marathon. 
Now, I, I'd, I'd sort of done a little bit of training for it, not as much as I probably should had. I had a bit of a goal that I was going for, and I figured if I just push myself far enough, I could achieve my goal. I might be in a lot of pain by the end of it, but I'll get through the next two hours, right? Then at about three kilometers, I get this pain. It's kind of under my rib on this side, and it was, so, it was like a stitch, but a normal stitch would go away in a couple of kilometers with a little bit of stretching and a little bit of good breathing. Well, this did not go away. 17 kilometers in, I've still got that puppy, and I am in pain. It was like the worst two hours of my life. I finished the half marathon. I got it in my goal, by the way, just side note. Um, but I was in a world of pain. And uh, then a few weeks later, there I am going for another run, about three kilometers in, same pain, same place. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Usually stitch kind of moves around a little bit. Same pain, same place. Went for another run, same pain, same place. Soon enough, I'm getting the pain when I'm not running. So I'm just moving chairs around at church and setting up things at church. I'm getting that same pain. I'm starting to think, okay, maybe I should go and get it checked out. So I go for some tests and everything comes back all clear. All the tests come back, and they check for gallstones, they check for hernia, they do ultrasounds, all that. Nothing's wrong, check it all clear. I'm like, okay, cool. Then I'm sitting in church one day, and I don't know whether it was the jumping around in the praise and worship, I'm not sure what it was, but by our third service, I was in so much pain right here, same place, just felt like a really bad stitch. So luckily enough, we have an advanced paramedic on our staff. So I go to my advanced paramedic, who is my own personal paramedic, and I tell her what's going on. I tell her what's going on. She looks straight at me. She goes, Bex, it's your diaphragm. You're not breathing properly. So I go to a doctor, who, another doctor, who confirms, yes, it's your diaphragm, and you are not breathing properly. I'm like, what do you mean I'm not breathing properly? I've been breathing for the last 35 years. If anyone knows how to breathe, it's me. What do you mean? How can I not be breathing properly? That's ridiculous. I mean, honestly, to tell someone they're not breathing how they should be breathing when I've been breathing forever. But what I came to understand is that while this function of our body is a life-sustaining one, we actually know, need to learn how to do it. And it's something that often we can forget to do. Often we can, um, we can hold our breath. We can not be realizing that we're not learning how to breathe properly. And I had to learn how to breathe again, as strange as that sounds. See, some of us have had the breath knocked out of us. You know, you remember what it feels like, don't you, to get that belly flop at the wrong angle? Oh, that knocks the breath out of you, doesn't it? Or get that ball in the gut at just the right spot. Whoa, that knocks the breath out of you, doesn't it? You know that feeling of being winded, where you just, it just, your breath's gone. And for some of you in your life, you have experienced something and it's knocked the breath out of you. Maybe there's a loss, maybe uh, there's a failure or a disappointment. And if you're really honest, it's really hard to breathe. In some seasons, you've had the breath knocked out of you. For others of you, you have just simply forgotten to breathe. You know those days where you go around and you're racing from thing to thing and you're so busy and you're so focused and you've got so much going on that all of a sudden you stop and you go, oh, 
oh, I feel like I've been holding my breath for the last 10 minutes. I need to learn how to breathe. I had to go to a, a special gym class in order to help me with my breathing and to learn how to breathe again. This is, all sounds ridiculous as I'm telling you it now. Um, but in the class, one of the, the instructor is constantly saying, don't forget to breathe. Because that's what happens, isn't it? We can be so stressed out, we can be so busy, we can get distracted, and all of a sudden we've realized we've been holding our breath. Or maybe for some of you, it's a real struggle just to catch your breath. When I, um, I, I did another half marathon, it was the first half marathon I'd ever done, and I uh, did it with my mother-in-law, who's here, but where is she? Where are you? There you are. Um, so Judy did it with me, and she was much fitter than me at that time. I did not train for this half at all. And I got to the last kilometer, kilometer 20. It felt like the longest of our lives. And I went to take a breath, but my lungs were burning. And all of a sudden, my breath sounded like this. <gasps> Judy looked at me like, oh my goodness. She was like ready to catch me as if I was about to fall over. I just couldn't get a breath. I couldn't get a full breath. And some of you sitting here today, you would say that in your life sometimes you feel like you just can't draw a breath. Maybe it's anxiety. I don't know if it's fear or worry. I don't know what it is. But you can't seem to catch a breath. There are a few times in the Bible when the Bible talks about breath. And the very first mention of the word breath in Scripture is in Genesis 1 verse 30. And it speaks about creation having the breath of life in it. And then it goes on in Genesis 2 verse 7, we come across this word again. And it says, the Lord, then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. Isn't it great that the Bible's got the word nostrils in it? Love it. And the man became a living being. When you look up that word breath that we see in this scripture, the Hebrew translation of that word is neshima. And that word neshima is the same word as spirit, which, we, which is also used in Job chapter 33 verse 4, where it says, the spirit of the Lord has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Now, it would seem to me in all of the research, all of the years I have been reading the Bible and all of the research that I have done, that this word breath and this word spirit is used interchangeably. All throughout Scripture, wherever you find breath, the original Hebrew word actually means spirit. All throughout spirit, all throughout the Scripture, wherever you see the word spirit, the Hebrew original meaning of it, is this word breath. And it would seem to me that you and me, creation, man and woman, all beings are created with the Spirit of God. The breath of God has breathed life into you. And it's the same very Spirit, the same very breath that breathed life into all creation. And it is the same very breath and it is the same very Spirit that hovered across the earth before any of it came to be. And yet, somewhere along the way, life has happened for us. And circumstances have taken place. And for some of us, the breath has been knocked out of us. Some of us have forgotten what it looks like to breathe. 
And I want to talk to you today about what that means for us. I want to talk to you today about what it means to live a life dependent on the Spirit, the breath of God. I want to, and I love what you brought, Kylie, in our worship time. I want to look at exactly that, what it means to live in the strength, the power, the capacity, the fullness of the Holy Spirit that lives inside, that's been breathed into every single one of us, but through circumstance, sometimes we just have forgotten how to breathe. Are you with me, church? And so I want to look at, because when we live independent of the Holy Spirit, it's so much easier for the breath to be knocked out of us during difficult seasons. When we live independent of the Holy Spirit, it's so much easier for you to forget how to breathe and allow stress and busyness to overwhelm you. When you try and live your life independent of the Holy Spirit, it's so much harder to catch your breath when, when you have those moments of fear and worry. So how do we get our breath back? Well, if you are learning how to do it in the natural, in the physical, when we go to first aid class, how do we put breath back in someone? CPR, right? So that's how we're going to learn it in the spiritual today, because I want you to remember it. We're going to learn how to get our breath back through CPR today, okay? So I want everybody to get, one person to get down, get in a partner. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I'm just, we won't do, see, some of, oh, some, there's a guy moving in on a girl there. Right, just... Settle down, sir, all right? They're married, all right? You can do CPR later, okay? This is the thing about this uh, theater. I can see everybody, can't I? I can see everything that's going on. All right, no CPR in church, team. All right, so number one, the first thing, and you can write it down. You've got notes there. You would have had them as you handed them in as you walked through the doors this morning. The first thing we need to do in order to get our breath back is the C. We need to connect. If we're going to live dependent and reliant, and as Kylie was talking about, with the strength of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we need to live connected to Him. We need to stay connected. Do you know this day and age, we are so connected to all the things, aren't we? It's really hard to disconnect. We are connected in every way, in every how. We are connected through our phones, messaging, text messaging. We can ring anybody at any time. They've always got a way to be, to be um, connected. Uh, with them. We're connected through Wi-Fi, we're connected through Instagram, through social media, through Facebook, through Twitter, through Telegram, through Messenger. I mean, if text messages weren't enough, there's a myriad of ways you can message someone these days. One way is not enough. We have to have multiple ways. We are constantly connected to all the things that can become problematic in our lives, though. My husband has this really bad habit. In the evening when we sit down to watch something on TV, we might choose a movie to watch, and so we'll put that on the television in our house. And we'll be sitting in the lounge watching this thing. But how many of you know that when there's a movie on, there's often always also sports on? And so we can't watch a movie and miss the sport. He's trying to keep the wife happy. So he's got his laptop out with the rugby playing. Right? But, but now we know that it's not just rugby season. It's also cricket season. And so there's not a rugby game playing. There's also a cricket game playing. So we've got the iPad out with the cricket on it. And then my husband gets very easily lost down rabbit holes on YouTube of, you know, like movie videos of people hurting themselves. Why is this? I don't understand. All the men are like, yes, yes, yes. So we've got the TV going with the main event. Well, my main event anyway. Then we've got the rugby going and the cricket going and the rabbit hole of YouTube videos going. 
Well, the messages and the noise gets so loud, I can no longer hear or focus on the main thing I sat down to watch in the first place. And the number of times I have had to remove myself from the room and go into another space and turn on the TV in there so that I can begin to focus and hear and pay attention to the main thing is astounding. You see, how many of you know that there are seasons in your life where you are going to have to do that? There comes a time when there are so many voices, we have to disconnect, disconnect from all of the different voices and all of the different messages and all of the different things that are trying to distract us. It may mean that we have to leave the room in order to reconnect with the Spirit of God and what He is trying to say to us. Jesus often left the room. The Bible calls it withdrawing. It says he often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. He would leave the room to eliminate distraction from our life. What does that look like for you and I in this day and age? It means turning off our phone. Two words, flight mode, right? Disconnect from it. Turn off, stop. It means checking in his book before we check Facebook, right? It means disconnecting, leave the room, remove yourself from some of those things. If you have to, turn it off. If you want to get your breath back, you've got to stay connected to the breath giver. Amen? Number one, the C is connect. Number two, the P of CPR is prophesy. Prophesy. And I'm going to explain to you and help you understand what this means. If you're not a church person, that's a very church word, but I'm going to help you see what this means. Ezekiel 37 verse 1 to 7 says this, And this is a picture, almost like a vision that God had given to Ezekiel. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his Spirit and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord, only God, Lord God, only you know. Listen, when the wind gets knocked out of you, when you go through seasons where you feel like the breath has been knocked out of you, when you go through seasons of life, when all you see is a valley of dry bones, maybe you've experienced a loss maybe a loss of a loved one, maybe there's been a loss of a dream or the loss of the future you had pictured or hoped that you would have, the future you thought you held. When you are in those types of seasons, it can be the hardest thing to still see God's promises and God's hope and God's purposes over your life. Because in the natural, what you see is devastation and disappointment and discouragement. It can be the hardest thing to still see past the dry bones and into the hope that God has for you. Sometimes all you see is dry bones. And yet what does God tell Ezekiel to do? In verse 4, it says, He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. 
I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Church, when you can't see it, you've got to learn to speak it. When you can't see it, you've got to speak it. We've got to begin to speak the hope of Jesus over those valleys in our life. We've got to speak the breath of life back into the bones in the valleys. We've got to speak when we can't see the hope. We've just got to speak the hope of God back into those seasons. If you're a person who speaks in tongues in a heavenly language, can I encourage you to speak in tongues daily because tongues is a, is, a, is a gift that edifies the Spirit, which means when we feel like the Spirit is diminishing in our life and we can't find that breath again, it builds it back up in our life again. It bypasses the mind, it bypasses our emotions, and it goes spirit to spirit, and it builds the Spirit man in us. Do you remember what you used to say and do when you wanted something from your sibling? right? When you wanted something from your sibling and they were not giving it up, you would go straight to your parent, mum or dad, and you would say, mum, so-and-so, Harry, won't give me the remote. And mum, what would mum say? She would say, go and tell Harry that I said. So you would walk triumphantly back into that room and you would say, Harry, mum said, right? Why does that work? Why does that work? Well, it works because when you go back into that room and you say, Mum said, everyone in the room knows that the power and the authority has agreed with what you are wanting them to do. And when the power and the authority agrees with what you have spoken, then everyone in the room has to become into alignment with that spoken word. Otherwise, there'll be trouble, right? Right? Listen, church, when you go to your circumstance, when you enter back into the room of your circumstance and you say, God said, my father said, the word of the Lord says, you are causing everything in that room to come into agreement with the power and the authority of the word of God. And when there is agreement, there has to be alignment. Hopelessness under the agreement of the word of God has to come into alignment with hope. Brokenness under the agreement of the word of God has to come into, the, uh, into alignment with wholeness. Anxiety under the agreement of the word of God has to come into alignment with peace. We have to prophesy breath into our circumstances and our lives. When you can't see it, speak it. C-P-R, connect, prophesy. And number three, Number three, we've got to have reliance. Reliance. Um, I'm not sure many of you uh, know our story, but we, uh, eight, eight and a bit years ago, gee, time flies, we moved to Whangarei. And we moved there to bring a, an independent Elam church into our campus model. The church was in quite a bad state. It was a really difficult season for the church. 
and it was a really hardship to turn around. Steve and I went to move up there. We knew nobody. We had a one-year-old at the time. We were very young. We were very new. We were just newly graduated youth pastors, so we hadn't really pastored grown-up big people before, right? So the day, the weekend, we were due to take over. So the night before our first Sunday as lead pastors, we were still living in Auckland because we hadn't quite sorted out all our accommodations there and here and, you know, all that stuff. So it took us a few weeks to get that sorted. So we were traveling every Sunday up and down. Now the night before, so Saturday night, Sunday morning, Steve, my husband, had an asthma attack for the first time in 15 years. What a coincidence. He has this asthma attack in the middle of the night. He drives himself to A&E. And they put him on a nebulizer. Under his own, his lungs in their own capacity were not enough. He couldn't draw a full breath. The nebulizer increased, helped give support to increase the capacity on his lungs so that he could draw a full breath and use them to the full extent that they were created for, Right? My question for you today is whose capacity are you living reliant on? Because as Kylie said this morning, if we learn, if we live only reliant on our own strength and our own might and our own capacity, we will only be able to get so far because our capacity is limited and it always leaves us feeling weak and tired. We, in that, that morning, Steve was given um, nebulizer. He was also given a shot of Finnegan. Now, if you remember Finnegan, they don't supply it to you anymore. But Finnegan, you would go to the doctor and say, give me some Finnegan. I'm about to take my child on a 12-hour flight. I need to put them to sleep. Uh, Finnegan was a, um, it, it, it makes you feel very sleepy. So he's had a high dosage of Finnegan before driving to Whangarei, and then he has to get up and preach, right? So he walks into the service. We drive up there. Someone else drove, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> he slept the whole way. We walk in there, and the team looks at him and says, you don't look so good. He says, I don't feel so good. They say, what do you need? He says, I need a triple shot coffee now. So they give him a triple shot coffee. He gets up and preaches. Now listen, in that, right there in that moment, we began to realize that we needed God more than anything else that we needed right then. We began to see in that moment that in our own capacity, this whole thing, this whole gig was not going to work. We began to realize that we could not do it on our own, that we needed God in that moment more than we needed Him ever before as we stepped in to lead that campus. It was a reminder that this was God or nothing. It was a reminder to us of our humanity, of our own weakness and our own need for Him. We knew in that season that we needed to press into Him more than anything. We knew in that season that we needed to dig into His Word more than we'd ever done before. We knew in that season that we needed to spend time in His presence more than we'd ever done before. We knew in that season that we needed to ask daily for the Holy Spirit to fill us, be in us, work through us, move in us. We needed it like we needed our next breath. See, when we live reliant on the Holy Spirit, we receive like a nebulizer. And it's an increase of capacity. We're no longer living in the limited capacity of our own self. We are now lim living in the capacity of Him. We're now living with His strength and His power and His might 
We're now living under His grace. We're now living under all that He has and carries for us. If you want to get your breath back, we need to learn to live fully dependent and 100% reliant on the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It's time to learn to breathe again. There's a third word in the Hebrew language that sits alongside the word breath and the word spirit, and it translates as the same thing. And that word is life. And there's something that all of us know, and that is that eventually, if we lose our breath completely, we will also lose our life. And for some of you here today, you are so close to losing your breath that you feel like there is no life left in you. And for some of you, this may have been your first time ever walking into church. And our hope is that you would have been sitting in the worship and all of a sudden, you don't know what it is, but you feel like you can breathe again. The reality is that every single one of us at some point in our lives will go through a season where we feel like we've lost our breath, where we feel like, actually, I feel like there's no life left in me. But let me tell you that our God doesn't just want to give you your life back. He wants to give you your breath back. And He's got a life for you that's full of abundance. There's life, and then there's life with the breath of God in you. And the life with the breath of God in you is a life of abundance and overflow. And I want to take a moment right now before I hand back over to the team. I want to take a moment right now to extend to you an opportunity if you don't know Jesus. If you've walked into this place and you can just relate to that idea that I just feel like I've lost the breath in me. Well, I want to give you an opportunity now. The truth is that every single one of us has fallen short. The Bible calls it sin, which basically just means all the bad stuff, all the wrong stuff in our life. And every single one of us, not one of us is exempt, has fallen into that category at some point. The reality is that our holy and righteous God, our sin means that we're separated from Him. But the beautiful thing is that God in His grace and mercy sent His Son, Jesus, so that He could take the punishment of the sin and the brokenness in our life. He took it on Himself. He went to a cross. He died on the cross, not so that we could experience judgment, so that we could experience freedom and grace and forgiveness and mercy. And He has got life in abundance for every single one of us. And His greatest desire is that we would live a life in relationship with Him. That enables us to walk into not just an eternal life, but a life of fullness and hope right now here today. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. I would love for you to pray that prayer with me just in your heart. And as you do, I want you to mean it. I want you to mean it with everything that you've got. I want to ask for every head to be bowed and every eye closed all across this auditorium. And right now, if you are sitting here today and you say, Bex, I need to get my life back. I need to learn to breathe again. And you do not know God in this place. I'm going to pray a prayer. All you have to do is pray it along with me. We say, dear Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you 
for taking the punishment that I deserved. Thank you for your forgiveness. I choose this day to follow you. Lord, would you come into my life? Would you make me brand new today? In Jesus' name, with every head still bowed and every eye closed, I want you to do one last thing for me. And this is like a step of faith. I'm not gonna call you to the front. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna ask you to get out of your seat. But I am gonna ask you to take a step of faith. I'm gonna ask you to do something. I would love to acknowledge you and I wanna celebrate with you today as you've made that decision. I'm gonna count to three. And on three, I would love for you just to lift your hand and give me a wave right where you are. Are you ready? We're gonna take a step of faith. We're gonna be bold and be brave. Are you ready? One, two, three. You're saying yes to Jesus today. Awesome. Anybody else saying yes to Jesus? You're saying, yes, I need my life back in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Down the front here. Anybody else? You're saying yes to Jesus. Yep, down the front, I've got you too. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for lives turned around and transformed with you. Father, we thank you that the breath of God, the breath that breathed life into all creation, the breath that hovered over the earth before anything came to be. God, we thank you that the breath that breathed life into Mary and she formed, and you formed Jesus. Father God, I just thank you that the breath of life and the Spirit of God that perform miracles all throughout Scripture, that same breath, that same life, that same Spirit lives inside every single one of us. And right now we celebrate all that you've done in our lives today. Come on, church, would you give them some praise in the place today? Come on, lift your hands. Come on, let's praise Him and thank Him for life's turnaround. Thank you, Jesus.